Hi there, welcome to the Thursday afternoon edition on January 26th of Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. Coming from downtown Tyler, Texas, where it's still a little bit chilly, but we got some wonderful rain a couple of days ago, and it's dried out some since then, but the cold is hanging on, and that's okay. I mean, it's the end of January, it's supposed to be cold, right? There you go, there you go. Glad you're joining me, hope you're warm and dry, and that things are going well for you on thursdays we are discussing the uh, daily devotional book uh, by timothy and kathy keller the songs of jesus which is a daily devotion based on the psalms we'll read through the psalms all 150 chapters uh this year this calendar year and so what that means is we don't read a whole lot every day so it's a wonderful study it's very encouraging and i uh, urge you to find that they have a prayer at the end of each daily reading. And so we try to end with a prayer on these Thursday sessions. I probably won't remember every time, uh, but hopefully we'll do that most all of the time. On Tuesdays, we're looking at the classic Oswald Chambers daily devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest. If you haven't uh, listened to the study from this past Tuesday, I hope you'll scroll down and find that. And uh, or look at it on our website, westerwin.com. That's E R W I N, Irwin with an E, named for the street that we are on. And uh, so, uh, but I, I enjoyed that lesson. It was very challenging that some of that reading to me, looking at the difference between being devoted to Christ and being devoted to service of Christ, to ministry and different things. And I do know that that's a, that's a big difference. And so, you may want to listen to that one or watch that one. But today we are going to be looking at a very familiar verse, first of all. Uh, we'll look at Psalms 14, 15, and 16. Uh, and this, this familiar verse is Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, I've heard that verse quoted a lot, and I'm sure you have as well. And that's how the psalmist views it. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. When you're looking at wisdom and devotional literature, such as Psalms or Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes. It's a very specific technical thing, really, wise versus fool, uh, and wisdom versus foolishness. Uh, the wise person is the person that obeys God, that uh, keeps his commandments, that uh, tries to do what is right, uh, as the Proverbs teach. And the fool is the person for example, in this statement, who says uh, there is no God. That is something that uh, characterizes those who don't live in a wise way, but who live uh, like a fool. And so uh, this psalm, Psalm 14, starts out that way, that verse, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And then he goes on and describes uh, the sinfulness of uh, the, the, the fool they are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. Verse 3, all have turned away, all have become corrupt, there is no one who does good, not even one. And if that passage sounds familiar, you're right, it sounds just like Romans 3. Romans 3 speaks about, well, as you know, Romans, one of my favorite books, chapter 1, talks about how the non-Jews, the Gentiles, are condemned by their sinfulness before their creator God. Even though they didn't have the Bible, they should have known that there was a creator and worshiped him rather than the creation, even though they didn't know that much about him. 
but someone who is greater than they are, someone who is divine, someone who is eternal. Romans 1 makes those statements. And then in chapter 2, it's the Jews who have sinned. They had the law of Moses, but they didn't keep it. They were disobedient. And so they too were sinners. So that gets us to Romans 3 that says, There is none that is righteous, no, not even one. And this psalm is one of the psalms, one of the passages of Old Testament scripture that's quoted by Paul in Romans 3, ultimately getting to the point of Romans chapter 3, verse 23, very familiar verse, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, uh, and then that takes us into that section of Romans 3 that speaks about how we're, we're saved by grace through faith much like Ephesians 2, much like Titus chapter 3, that says we're saved by uh, the blood of Christ and through our response of faith. I don't believe in universalism, so there is a response of faith of some sort. Uh, some say it's just believing, and that's, uh, that's not enough. James tells us even the demons believe and, and shudder because they know, they believe that God is real and that he will uh, punish the wicked but so there's more to it than just uh, that. And the response of faith includes changing your life. That's repentance, confessing that this is your faith and your path now and being baptized into Jesus Christ, uh, dying to sin, being buried with Christ through baptism into death and being raised to live a new life. And that new life is, uh, is uh, something that is the fruit of our being uh, forgiven and saved. Uh, and so, but it begins really with an acknowledgement that we've all sinned, all of us. There's none that is righteous, no, not even one. I love the way the psalmist puts it. We saw this in Psalm uh, 12, the very first verse, those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. I don't know what it is about that statement, but I love it so much because we feel that way sometimes, don't we? Those uh, who are loyal have vanished from the human race. And that's what the psalmist asserts here, that the Fool says in his heart, there is no God, and there's a whole bunch of fools alive now. Uh, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. No, not even one. Um, we talked about how Elijah felt the same way in 1 Kings 19 when Queen Jezebel was trying to kill him, even though he had had this great experience killing off hundreds of false prophets of the false god Baal. When she threatened him for some reason, he just forgot about how powerful his God was and, and how, how many people there were. And God assured him in 1 Kings 19, I've got 7,000 people, and that's probably a symbolic number, but I've got 7,000 people who have not bowed the knee to Baal. And in the same way today, we see that as well. Uh, the psalmist continues in this Psalm 14 that, and asserts that the Lord is their refuge, the refuge of the poor, the refuge of the righteous. And the last statement, when the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and let Israel be glad. And the psalmist knows that God will do just that. Um, again, in the Bible, foolishness means a destructive self-centeredness, uh, taking yourself away from the wisdom of God seen in the word of God. Fools cannot bear to have anyone over them, and so they ignore God or deny he exists. And in a sense, that's what we all do, isn't it? When we sin, uh, the Kellers kind of bring this out. It's it's one of those things where we it's the sin of the high and uplifted hand. Some have called it. We shake our fist at God and we say, "I don't care what your word says. I don't care what your will is. Uh, I'm going to do things my way." And uh, Frank Sinatra may have made a lot of money off that song, and Elvis Presley and others, but 
That's, um, that's not a way to live according to Scripture. According to Scripture, that's the foolish way to live. And so we, uh, we seek God's will, and uh, we believe that, that he is there. Uh, psalm 15 is the next psalm. We read that on January 21st. And it says in verse 2, The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, these are the ones who may dwell, the question of verse 1, on the sacred mountain of God. Um, and uh, we realize that through Jesus Christ, that can be us, even though we don't do that perfectly. But that's the wonderful part of our blessing today, living on this side of the cross, is that uh, when the psalmist asks in Psalm 15, verse 1, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous and speaks the truth from their heart. We realize that that can be us, even though there are times where we failed in all of those. I think of uh, David, King David in Psalm 32, one of those great penitential psalms, such as 51, but in Psalm 32, it begins with, Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord has forgiven, uh, not the person who's never sinned. And I think David understood that from his own personal experience. And we should be able to understand that as well. Um, the question of Psalm 15 is, who gets to draw near to God? And it's a standard that only one person can do on their own. The book of Hebrews says that, Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are in chapter 4, yet he never sinned. And then it goes on and talks about how because of that, because he was human and never sinned, he became qualified to be our great high priest and then shed his blood to make that possible for us to dwell in the sacred tent and the holy mountain of God. And so we seek that for ourselves and for others. Well, that brings us to Psalm 16. This is the last one we'll look at today, a little bit longer than the first two. The psalmist prays, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, They are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. It's really amazing when you compare this with Psalm 14, verse 1, which says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. There is none that is righteous. Uh, the psalmist in chapter 16 says, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. So rather than saying there is no God, the psalmist says, God is my everything. Uh, we used to sing a song uh, in the old youth group days of Lackland Terrace. Some of my Lackland Terrace brothers and sisters probably watched these and um, uh, that song, you remember, He is my everything, He is my everything, He is my all, He is my everything, both great and small. Such a wonderful little song, little chorus, and it's, uh, we loved it, we loved it. I loved singing those songs with our youth group back in the days, back in the 70s, when we were uh, in high school and in the youth group together and had such wonderful experiences, such great examples uh, living before us of our own youth group, but also of those who were a part of that great church family at Lackland Terrace. Uh, the psalmist got that, and he said, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. He is my everything. And that's exactly how we feel. Um, there's nothing that we love more than God himself. Just as we talked about on Tuesday, uh, even the wonderful blessing of being involved in God's work and ministry and service, uh, serving and obeying God, that's, that, that doesn't uh, hold, 
hold a candle to the wonderful close personal relationship uh, that we have with the Lord. Not only are we thankful and believe strongly that he exists, we, we believe that we are in relationship with him, that he loves us, and we love him, and we seek to do uh, his will. Uh, without your constant presence and favor, uh, the Kellers write, no thing is a good thing. So I receive them with thanks, but I rest my heart and my hope in you, God. Uh, what a great statement in that prayer. Psalm 16 continues, verse 10 says, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You remember that verse too, right? That's uh, quoted later on in Acts chapter 2 of Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, Peter, in that great sermon that Luke records on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, Peter makes a big case saying uh, that this, certainly David wasn't talking about himself, because what Peter says 2,000 years ago is the tomb of David is still with us today. And anybody who wants to could go and see that his body is certainly still there. His flesh has been corrupted. But Jesus of Nazareth uh, died on the cross and was buried in the tomb and then was raised uh, three days later. And his flesh was not allowed to see decay. Uh, he was not abandoned in that realm of the dead. And, uh, and so this is speaking specifically of Jesus Christ. Because he died and rose for us, he is our representative in heaven. That's much of the theme of the book of Hebrews, starting with the very first few verses. So we are completely forgiven, but he is also our companion on earth because we are intimately loved. And that is such a, a great and wonderful blessing. Um, and so the Kellers mention, I will someday know that my final rising, the resurrection, because Jesus Christ lay down in death for me, and rose for my justification. Uh, and, and so these three Psalms, 14, 15, and 16, are, are, are wonderful to study together. They don't have to be, but they're wonderful to study together, starting with the acknowledgement that there are people who say there is no God and they're fools because of it. And on the opposite of that, uh, the faithful say, I, not only do I believe that there is a God, I believe that that God is close to me, that he has saved me, and that one day he will raise me from the dead uh, to live with him forever. I hope that that's your uh, dream as well. And it's not just a dream, uh, but rather it is something that we have that blessed assurance of. We know that it'll happen. The reason we know that it'll happen is because the tomb is empty. And what a great blessing that is. Let's close with prayer. Father, thank you for that empty tomb. Thank you for that horrible death of your son on the cross. And so, Father, we uh, confess that we believe in you today. We're not fools. Uh, though we uh, live a life of imperfection and sinfulness, we are trying to be pleasing to you, to be obedient to you in every way we can. We realize, Father, that all have sinned, but we also realize that all are justified by faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we look ahead, Father, to that time uh, when we will understand and see you face to face, as John says, we'll know that you are, exist. It will no longer be a matter of faith because faith will have become sight. Father, we pray that you would hasten that day. But in the meantime, remind us, O oh Lord, remind us of your love for us, uh, that we will be reminded of the call uh, to love others around us and to seek to serve you because of the close relationship that we have with our Creator God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
Pray that you'll have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. If you're watching our uh, West Irwin live stream on Sunday, you're not going to get to do that this Sunday on January 29th. Uh, we've had a gas line leak, and it's going to be a little bit more involved process. It's going to take longer than just a couple days. So we're going to be meeting in our Family Life Center, which is not equipped to handle live stream. Sorry about that. We can do PowerPoint there, but not live stream. So I'm afraid you'll miss out on us on um, uh, this coming Sunday. But I look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday as we get back into Oswald Chambers' book. And then next Thursday when we'll be looking at the beautiful and long Psalm, Psalm 18. I pray God's gracious blessing and presence to be with you all through this weekend. And I'll see you on Tuesday.